0: You, you, are you are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing Ninety Seven podcast.
1: Um, I did go back in August to uh, Bulgaria, where I'm originally from, and I had some incredible river fishing. Um, there's a tailwater now that's um, been very well stocked, and it has some an amazing number of monster browns in it. Um, oh. And I got to experience something that I've never never happened to me before in fly fishing. It's uh, that we kind of joefully called called that fishing dry streamers, but basically we're fishing floating streamers, almost like a dry fly. But you know huh. the streamers were pretty big because uh, it was it's it's a tailwater under a power dam, and when the turbines start running, there's a bunch of these baby walleye that come floating belly up. On the, on the surface, and those big browns are just thrashing on them. Huh. So, the only way you get them is they don't care much about nymphing or streamers, or, like normal streamers, when they're doing this, but you put a, like, a, you gink a streamer, and you dead drift it on the surface, and these fish come up for it. <laughs>
2: really? <laughs> yes. That's yeah.
0: wild. I've never seen something how, like that before. How big yeah. are these browns? Uh,
1: We had... Fish, about 60 centimeters, wow. uh, multiple of those during the day. And uh, there's bigger fish in the river too. Huh.
0: That's interesting. I love it when so, you kind of hit on something. Now, was that something that you just kind of came to figure out on your own or did somebody say, Hey, no, this is what we do here. Cause these turbines.
1: <laughs> oh
0: no, no, no. It's, uh, I have
1: friends who, uh, a friend, a good friend of mine, actually a local guide, um, who, Took me we just went fishing together and took me to the river and um, it had been happening for several weeks some some of the guys had figured out what's going on so I already knew from several guys that uh, this may happen yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we were fortunate enough to experience it it started in the middle of the day when the water came up and <laughs> wow. came up as well but and it lasted for a few hours and you know, it wasn't all a full day show
0: well, sounds sounds like a lot of fun
1: tells you that you never know what you're going to experience when you're fishing and I would have never thought about something like that happening to me you know like you think you know think dry flies and rising fish you know like matching the hatch and so on but in this case the hatch is these uh, baby walleye
0: well, we've got a great show for you this time around. We have Ivo Balinov from Smart Angling Incorporated. Now, Ivo has the 2022 World Class Fly Fishing School. He has got some of the best of the best that are giving basically online Zoom conferences that uh, you can attend this winter. We've got one on uh, nymphing. You've got one on streamers. You've got one specifically on fly fishing for grayling. Uh, pretty unique stuff. We've got uh, one also got John Horsey talking about still water, advanced still water techniques. You can look them up on smartangling.com. I want to first uh, thank the top 10 cities for listening this week. Uh, far and away the most downloads came from uh, Chattanooga, tennessee this time around we've got um wisconsin in next followed by Morrisville, north carolina then christiansburg virginia followed by vancouver bc uh we've got fallon nevada columbus ohio glenwood springs colorado and saratoga springs in new york ivo is up next
3: Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers.
0: The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you as always by the Fly Crate. They have a monthly fly club and an online fly shop you need to check out. They also have the Fly Fishing Digest where you can sign up for weekly giveaways of free flies, any fly fishing news, advice, exclusive offers, and updates right to your own mailbox. Join the club today with quarterly seasonal boxes for the Big savings. Attractor patterns, barbless flies, euro-nymphing flies, dries, streamers, stickers, gear, accessories, gift cards, and of course, the monthly fly shop. Check out theflycrate.com. Fly fishing made easy, offering free shipping. Explore the ins and outs of fly fishing while discovering savory new fly fishing flies each season. That's theflycrate.com.
3: Here's your host, Mark Hopley.
0: Well, thanks for joining us this time around, and welcome to another edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. We're going to do what we always do on the program, and that is seek out passionate people in the fly fishing space and uh, kind of get the lay down, the lay of the land. And you know what? We have got one of the most passionate people. Uh, return guest to the program, we've got Evo Balinov from Smart Angling. Evo, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it too.
0: So, Evo, your resume is pretty deep. I mean, we we went into this on the last show, but I mean I know you've done a lot of competitive angling, um, both nationally and internationally. Been Euro nymphing for over seventeen years, which not a lot of people could say that, at least uh, you know, in, in my neck of the woods, that's for sure. Um, and you're running smart angling. We'll get into what you're up to, but um, how have you been, first off, with, uh, you know, things are a little different with COVID, but I know your online business has probably been crazy busy. So speak to us. What have you been up to since we last chatted?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, COVID has really changed things a little bit. Um, but, you know, it also brought some new ideas and opportunities. Um we were uh, before it started. We we were sort of working with this idea of bringing to Canada some of Europe's top top anglers for on um, the water classes. So COVID obviously made that impossible for the time being. So last winter, um, I came up with this idea of reaching out to some of these guys and saying, "Hey, what if what if we did something online?" And, and we put together a program um, you know, we had um, David archive from Spain, uh, Bertrand Jacquemin from France and others um, and the idea was really to use that mostly for I think Canadians and, and Americans who have you know were under uh, lockdown conditions and had a, a long fly dying season anyway with our winters but, we had a really good response from around the world. People from about 15 different countries ended up signing up for these online classes. And it was really a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, so we are repeating it this winter with a different uh, lineup of, of classes. Um, we are uh, trying to uh, you know, offer, the whole idea is really to offer things that, that people wouldn't, read about or you know watch or listen to um elsewhere that, that there's little information about uh you know new things different things um um well we're starting with john horsey and uh, john, john is not a new name <laughs> <laughs> yep. but uh, you know we'll get him to talk about some of the the latest development in some still water techniques that i think are still relatively unknown um here in canada or a few people know about them and, and john's absolutely amazing he's a great character too just a lot of fun to listen to i, I can't wait I actually
0: can't wait i did sign up for that course and as soon as i saw you post that on on this on your smart angling website i'm like okay i've always wanted to kind of sit down and really listen to john speak because he really seems dialed in so this is like the 2020 2022 you're calling it world class fly fishing school basically? So, you've got these these classes whether they're still water specialists or uh, euro nymphing or uh, streamer patterns. It, it, you're just trying to kind of dig a little deeper, is that where we're going here?
1: Yeah, yeah, D- dig a little deeper, um, and cover things that haven't been covered so much. I mean, you mentioned euro nymphing, there's just so much about euro nymphing these days. If you go online, that's what everyone's talking about, but. The, I, I think it's bringing some misconceptions as well because uh, throughout the years that I've, I've been competing and had the opportunity to go to some international competitions and world championships and and witness firsthand what some of those really good anglers can do, um, it's not all about nymphing. Um, under certain conditions, uh, dry fly will outfish nymphing, believe it or not. Mm. Um, so would streamers, um so it's really i think being successful is about having a bigger palette of things right uh, you know of what you can work with it's it's also i mean enjoying fly fishing experiencing different things and having fun you know if you're only digging into a single technique um, i don't think it's so much fun honestly uh,
0: right like kind of diverse, it is yeah diverse, it is very
1: productive to nymph i mean and itself has a, a ton of variations as well but i mean It it started in the 70s in competitive fishing, so a number of other things also have been developing in competitive fishing, but, you know, not all of them have become so so widely known, and it kind of comes and goes in waves, as you know, like, who knows, in a couple of years, maybe we'll be all thinking about something else anyway.
0: Well, do you know what um, I, I find real interesting, Evo, is the fact that now you, it's it's not enough to have one specialty, especially when it comes to the competitive angling. I mean, you, you're either on still water and or moving water, so you've got to really specialize in more than one area. Have, have you noticed that in the past few years? Because it used to be, okay, this, this guy's known as a euro or this gal's known for still water, but there's a lot more crossover in the last few years, I, I think.
1: Yeah, I think in in uh, I mean it, it's probably becoming the case here in Canada as well, but I think an in international competition it has always been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they are um, the world championship is in a different country every year. Sometimes it's you know predominantly lakes, sometimes predominantly rivers. It's almost it's almost always a mix of some kind. But even on lakes and rivers, the conditions can be very different depending on where it ends up being. And and even here in Canada with our national championships or provincial championships, a really big variation of conditions. So mm-hmm. you cannot really go, go to all of this with one or two techniques. Um, you kind of need a much, much bigger palette right. um, of things to work with. And, and as I said, if you're not competing, it it's still a lot more different things to explore and experience and, you know, being ready to, to catch fish in different conditions. So, Mm. uh, no, it's, I mean, I was probably one of the the handful of people that started nymphing in Canada back in the day, but I have to say that as, as I went through my own journey, one of the things that I've learned and I really appreciate is that it's not all about the nymphing. Um, personally, I mean, I'd say I probably like fishing dry flies a lot more when I can. Yeah um I hear you. and and i really like to that to experience the fact that in some conditions you can actually outfish somebody that's new thing with fish and dries not every day but you know, every now and then it happens mm-hmm. so you know it, it's really you got to be flexible and and also it's, i think it's just a lot more enjoyable to to try all of these things
0: well i think your timing is uh, as usual perfect i mean um we're heading into the month of january here and 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 we're recording this in the winter of 2022 and it's a perfect opportunity uh, a lot of people aren't able to get out with uh you know things start snow starting and flying and whatnot in in cooler regions of the world and it's maybe a great opportunity to just kind of sit back and 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 you know hone our skills from home if we can so tell us about the the lineup that you got now it, I know you have john horsey coming still water specialist uh when yep. it when is that uh zoom call or that conference if you will uh
1: john that's going to be our first class this year and that's coming up in a couple of weeks on the 22nd of uh of january okay. um and we've picked a time of the day that's going to allow us to have people from around the world so it 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so that would be uh, three hours earlier for you out
0: in BC. Yeah, no, that's perfect. You're 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 hitting a lot of spots. So so that's the first one. That's uh, uh, January twenty second. Twenty second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and
1: John's absolutely amazing. I I he completely changed my lake fishing. He came to Canada. I don't know if that was 15 years ago, maybe something like that. And he did a bunch of on-the-water classes uh, here at canal in, in Quebec. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an amazing experience. I, I I mean, I'd say every every day I go out lake fishing. I'm still using something that I learned back then from him. It, it wow. just laid the fundamentals for me, and he's hmm. just so good at doing it. Um,
0: Good so, stuff. so this is going to happen so if we're wanting to take this course no matter where you're listening on the planet it's available right so um, yeah it's
1: for, in English so whoever is you know okay with uh, being on a, on a class with English uh, right. can, can sign in and be there. It's also interactive yeah uh, that's the whole idea of it. people get to ask questions on the spot as well and the uh, the presenters are answering them so excellent. you'll have a chance to uh, to put your question either in person or in the chat depending on how comfortable you are speaking online.
0: Okay, so there's John Horsey. Now, tell us who else you have coming up on these uh, Um, fly fishing schools. So
1: we have uh, Igor Slavik, who was on the school last year, but last year he actually talked about fly fishing photography because he happens to be a professional photographer with sort of a master's degree in photography. But... He's also an amazing fisherman. Um, for those who don't know him, he's from the Czech Republic. He uh, has been a manager of the Czech National Fly Fishing Team a couple of times. He competes himself. Um, and um, i know known him since 2014, um, when I was part of the Canadian team that went to the Czech Republic for the World Championship back then. And we spent a few days with Igor, and he had... A, time of our lives he's an amazing guy but we also learned from him um a different way to fish streamers um on rivers um which is very productive i got to experience in the competition myself in my last session i got the right type of water and ended up to my surprise doing better than guys that were new thing around me um hmm. uh, so he'll be uh talking about that uh, can and you, that's on, can, can you throw us some uh, hints?
0: Yeah. Can you throw us some tidbits? Like when you say a different way to fish streamers that kind of piqued my attention, give us the Coles notes version. So what in a nutshell, yeah. or can well, you?
1: Well, in a nutshell, you, you, you're not, you're using a sinking line as opposed to a floating line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it a bit different. Uh, you're not fishing one streamer, you're fishing two or three, right. uh, that are, uh, you know, that basically spaced out in a particular way on the line, and there's a particular way to cover the water, so you pretty much cover uh, pretty much you pretty much cover everything um, under the right conditions with this thing, and you do it quite quickly and efficiently. So, hmm. uh, you know, when when the conditions are right and you, you have a type of fish that are going to chase streamers, uh, you know, the right type of water, uh, this is really deadly. Um, and it's you know it, it's fun to fish. It's a fun way to fish as well. It's pretty wow. dynamic.
0: Well, that sounds interesting. So now, when is this course?
1: Um, so Igor's going to be on February 19th. Okay, So that's another Saturday. We sort of keep trying to get the courses on Saturdays because that right. helps us cover you know, cover people here, cover people in Australia and New Zealand for a day ahead of us um, on the weekend. And it's the same thing, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. That would be 11 a.m. yours, I think.
0: Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, for North America, that's that's a sweet spot for sure, and I think Saturday makes a lot of sense, um, especially in the winter. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's not as much fun drilling a hole through the ice as as we know. Um, well, in my mind, anyway. But um, so, who else do you have coming up then, EVO? I know you have uh, a couple
1: on February fifth. Um, actually, that's sooner than Igor on February fifth. We have uh, Bertrand Jacquemin from France. Mm-hmm. who uh who was on the school last year as well but with a different presentation um but going to talk about something i don't know if somebody's ever done a class on that but it's fly fishing for grading in competition and hmm. um i mean if you follow international competition especially european competitions very often grading is one of the predominant species uh in uh, world championships and european championships uh, in European grading, it's far not as easy as our Arctic grading. It's almost uh, looks the same, but behaves completely differently, hmm. um, and it doesn't fish exactly the same way as trout does. Right. Uh, so you know, if uh, I think if 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 anyone's interested in you know getting to Europe in some way, being part of those competitions, even just fishing for European grading. Uh, that's Bertrand's probably one of the most skillful anglers in the world. Um, he did. That's going to be probably. A, I'm not. We'll see what exactly he talks about. Definitely, there'll be nymphing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, nymphing's not the only way to catch grailing. Um, Bertrand, I think, for a long time held, or probably still holds, the the world record for the most fish caught in a session. Um, I think it was something, um, crazy number and he did it actually on a competition where it was a one fly comp. You hmm. couldn't fish more and, and he was fishing for grayling. Wow. Um, so he, he may have a few things to share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lots well, good stuff. And, and that's, that's unique. I mean, are you finding that, that in some of these courses you need to get a little more niche down than, than the past, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, we're trying to, um, you know, now that I think we more or less have an audience of people that are really interested in these advanced techniques, you know, we're trying to uh, just kind of dig down, get a little bit more focused on on things. Um, yeah. Um, huh. and so far there's there's positive reaction, people registering for the classes. So that's great. are really looking for. I'm looking forward to them myself. Like I, I fished with Patron. I. Fished with uh, Igor and a little bit with John Horsey, but I know mm-hmm. there's ton to learn from these people.
0: So, we got Bert, Bertrand specializing in grayling, at least in this seminar. Um, we've got streamer yeah. fly fishing with Igor. We've got John Horsey doing the stillwater thing. You mentioned there's another stillwater um, session? Yeah,
1: there's one. Uh, and that's um, my uh, teammate Ian Troop and, and I are doing one class on stillwater as well. And we did one last year, which was meant to be sort of a general introduction to uh, log style fishing and had. Very positive reactions from the people who signed up, and some of them asked that we we get a little bit more, uh, like break it down into into pieces and dig in a little bit uh, this season. So that's what we're doing. We we're gonna have a class on on fishing sinking lines on still waters. Nice. Uh, because the uh, what John's gonna talk about, John Horsey, he's gonna talk about sort of the other end. He's gonna talk about fishing dry flies on lakes, the washing line. Um, mm-hmm. Which a lot of people talk about, but not that many people actually understand. Uh, and fishing buzzers or hieronymites, which I know is a big for you guys out west. Yeah, so huge. hopefully that's going to be uh, interesting. And, and you know, John's a, an absolute wizard of that.
0: Perfect. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And when is your course that you're you're doing with Ian?
1: Uh, that's going to be on the fifth of March.
0: Okay, March fifth. Okay, yeah. so now if, if someone's sitting here uh, going, okay, I want to sign up for these, what's the best way to do that? Is it to head to your to your website?
1: Yeah, you just go to smartangling.com and you will see a little tab there that says instruction. So the whole program is there and you can register for any of the classes that uh, that you want. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. You sign up and we send you the, uh, the link and some instructions and uh,
0: there we go. Ivo, maybe you could tell us what what you've been up to with with the company because I've noticed you've added quite a few products since we last talked I know I have uh, I picked up a bunch of hooks from you a while back those Hannock hooks and I I know you've got a a real close relationship with those guys why don't you talk about um, you know Hannock and some of the, some of the products you're carrying in, in your online shop
1: yeah, yeah absolutely with we've, uh, we've expanded the the a range of, of models of Hanukkah hook that we carry, uh, hooks. And, uh, um, you know, some of the well-established models also have new sizes now, like a 230 BL, that famous lake fishing hook now comes in size 18, for example, mm. and a few things like that. Um, Hanuk also has now uh, pike and musky hooks, and we've tested them here in Eastern Canada, and they're absolutely amazing um, and very well-priced um so we we just had a really big wrist stock of of hooks, so we are uh sort of ready for the fly tying season um same thing with beads uh Hanuk beads uh that I think you're familiar with as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing is we are Hannock's distributor for for Eastern Canada and, and we're trying to get um, Hanuk products in, in, in the fly shops, you know, where people can actually go and, and see them and decide for themselves if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ourselves are mostly shipping online and I, we do have a sort of a growing number of, of fly shops that do carry Hanuk now. I should definitely mention Drift in Toronto, which is probably Ontario's uh, sort of one of the biggest fly shops right now here in the east um but we have others we have Hookline and sinker in london and, and some others as well and definitely uh you know anyone that wants to um to see these products in their fly shop should just tell your local fly shop about us um we're also now um hence distributor for all of canada uh and i'm not sure if you've heard about hands uh
0: not a lot and I, I know the name but Tell us what. what yeah, it's
1: another it's another Czech uh, check based company, um, and they have a really big range of, of good quality and fair priced uh, fly tying products. Um, you know, like excellent dubbing materials that they're known for. For example, you mm-hmm. uh, know, all sorts of feathers. Uh, they have their own line of hooks and uh, and so on. Um, so it's really big big range of threads. Uh, you know, wires, tensils, yeah. all those things. Um, all of it at very, very decent quality, uh, booby eyes, um, you know, fritzes and things like that for blobs and so on. So hmm. they, uh, they're pretty big in, in, in Europe and well-known among competitors. Uh, pretty much everyone that's tying flies for competition fishing is using some kind of hands product.
0: We're chatting today with Ivo Belanoff from Smart Angling. Ivo um, was, uh, well, and still is, competitive fly fisher. Um, and, and actually, that's something I wanted to ask you, because I've noticed yeah. the, the products that you sell are not everyday products you see everywhere. Is, have you kind of drawn, you know, whether it's the uh, Archi rods or the Hannock hooks, are, are those kind of staples that are used on the competition scene a lot?
1: um i mean yes and no uh i mean definitely Hanuk uh hooks or have been a staple for a long time mm-hmm. uh in the competition scene um Arcae is a newer brand uh i've a, a four-time world champion uh, david archive he he started a few years ago and he's been uh growing pretty fast uh especially in spain where, where he's he's very well known uh, but now here, too, we've been bringing in his products to Canada for, I think, about three years now. And we have an amazing uh, customer return rate uh, because what he makes is really well-designed. well, well designed. Mm-hmm. Um, And he has um, kind of a unique line of rods, which are going to expand next season. He's just introducing a new series of archive rods called the Otter Series. Um, and there's, I think we have about... Probably about 10 different models now that we expect, including things that are very rare to find, like an 11 foot two weight rods for nymphing or 11 foot six, for example. Mm. Uh, but nicely designed, because you know, most of the 11 foot rods on, on the market are actually not that good, because it's not hard to, it's not that easy to make a rod um, for nymphing that is that length. But um, we we started testing some of them this season. The order, we wrote a few orders of the, the three weight, two weight actually, 11 foot. And it's an absolutely amazing stick. Hmm. Very light, very sensitive, and gives you uh, a little bit of extra reach, which sometimes can make all the difference uh, depending on the type of water you're fishing at. Um, and in the spring, we expect a, a bigger lineup of you know, a few different types of nymphing rods, uh, a new range of, uh, of lake rods, um, and um, I think two or three dry fly, Spanish dry fly, Hmm. um rods uh and all it um it's come up there at a very good price range it should be somewhere around the 500 canadian dollar mark so a rod that's actually not just a high quality rod that's a, that's affordable yeah 100%. Uh, so we're quite excited about that too yeah, yeah. but we have really good pri- i mean speaking about price point the entry nymphing rod from hanak is just over uh 200 209 dollars
0: wow okay
1: and uh you know very very affordable if if you, if you want to start nymphing and you know you're not absolutely sure if you don't like it or you just that's the budget you're working with for the money it's actually a really nice rod talk,
0: talk to our listeners evo about what you've been up to personally outside of the business as far as uh you know your time on the water what did oh, man, what did last year look yeah. like for you
1: that yeah, was a mixed experience. I mean, I um, I had to cancel some trips. Um, we were going to have our first sort of destination trip uh, to uh, New Zealand, which we canceled. Um, I mean, you know, I fished a fair bit. In my home waters here in uh, around Ottawa, and uh, typically I fish a lot in the in northern New York state, but because the border was closed, I couldn't do that last season so. Um, I ventured out east into uh, Quebec a little bit further east and I usually go and found mm-hmm. some nice brook trout waters and. That some of my friends showed me. Um, I. I didn't of anything for bass believe it or not since i don't have that much trout around here in the okay. rivers um i did fish uh lakes for trout uh, we still have pretty decent fishing here for that um i did go back in august to uh bulgaria where i'm originally from and i had some incredible river fishing um there's a tailwater now that um being very well stocked and it has some an amazing number of monster browns in it um, wow. and i got to experience something that i've never never happened to me before in fly fishing it's uh that we kind of joefully called called that fishing dry streamers but basically we're fishing floating streamers almost like a dry fly but you know huh. the streamers were pretty big uh, because it was, it's, it's a tailwater under a power dam, and when the turbines start running, there's a bunch of these baby walleye that come floating belly up right. on, the, on the surface, and those big browns are just thrashing on them.
2: Huh.
1: So the only way you get them is they don't care much about nymphing or streamers, like normal streamers, when they're doing this but you put a like a you gink a streamer and you dead drift it on the surface and these fish come up for it (laughs) really yes that's wild i've
0: never seen something like that before. how big are these browns uh
1: we had fish about 60 centimeters uh, multiple of those during the day and uh, there's bigger fish in the river too huh
0: that's interesting. I love it when so, you kind of hit on something. Now, was that something that you just kind of came to figure out on your own or did somebody say, Hey, no, this is what we do here. Cause these turbines.
1: Oh no, no, no. It's, uh, I have friends who, uh, a friend, a good friend of mine, actually a local guide, um, who took me, we just went fishing together and took me to the river and, um, it had been happening for several weeks. Some, some of the guys had to figure out what's going on. So I, I already knew from several guys that uh, this may happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we were fortunate enough to experience it. It started in the middle of the day when the water came up and <laughs> the fish wow. came up as well. But, and it lasted for a few hours. You know, it wasn't all a full day show.
0: Wow. Sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. So It just
1: tells you that you never know what you're going to experience when you're fishing. I and mean, I would have never thought about something like that happening to me. You know, like you no. think you know, think dry flies and rising fish, you know, like matching the hatch and so on. But in this case, the hatch is these, uh, baby walleye.
0: Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. So talk to me about the, um, you know, the, the show circuit is, are you, I mean, I know where we're at, things are still, uh, kind of not in lockdown, but it's definitely kind of quiet on the show front. Things are starting to pick up. Are you, do you have any plans for 2022 to get out there at all?
1: Um, not, not at this point, actually, it seems, uh, I mean, here in Ontario, everything's kind of quiet right now. We're just yep. entering another sort of quasi lockdown. Yep. So I haven't, um, haven't right. really planned anything. I'm, I'm, we're mostly focused on, you know, getting the classes rolling during the winter, uh-huh. uh, you know, getting out, the of products to our clients and to more fly shops. And we're also working on some destination fishing. Um, kind of trying to develop this this idea of of taking people to unique places, but also with unique hosts, uh hosts that, you know, people that are really experienced anglers. So it can be not just a you know the experience of visiting a great place, but also spending time with somebody that you can learn a lot from.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, we were going to go, we're going to take a group with uh, David Arcai to New Zealand uh, this wow. coming March, but New Zealand's still closed for travel. So we're postponing that to uh, 2023, yeah, crossing fingers that by then the world will be back to normal mm-hmm. or to, to normal enough so we can start doing this. Um, and we also have... Uh, now so starting to uh to get registration for uh several trips to uh Slovenia next our winter and their winter but their winter is not like our winter. Uh it's it's fishable and those are for the um the huchen or the timing the uh, mm. that they have in their rivers. That's the time that's the time of the year where you go and you fish, you know, big streamers for uh for those big big fish um with a really good host and uh, you know nice places with good foods and good company so sounds very like, affordable as well
0: that sounds like a trip of a lifetime right there yeah
1: and yeah. not that hard to get i mean slovenia is not that hard to get to hmm. it's a beautiful place to fish uh, some of the nicest rivers in europe
0: I, you'd be a perfect person to ask this um i know you do you know you're fishing a lot of waters all over the place um anything on your bucket list you haven't been to yet you're like i need to go to this lake or i need to go to argentina i need to go to you know russia and chase time and what's on your list
1: just a lot of things um i mean the one thing i definitely want to do is get back to new zealand because what happened last time is we were there for with the canadian team for the commonwealth championships just just when covid hit yeah and you know we went through our practice days and then we had to come back to canada just before the competition started or called back by fire fishing canada rightly so under the circumstances we could have been stranded there if we didn't but it kind of left this it you know it feels like unfinished business and the fishing mm. was absolutely amazing uh the best trout fishing i've ever had so mm. you know as soon as that is possible i, I really want to get back down there
0: yeah yeah well said i had uh we've had a couple members from from your team um talking about that very thing and how they kind of got stuck um i believe colette colette stroud um yeah i think uh, we had her on and uh is it mike mike learmonth or yep. the,
1: yeah yeah, yeah they were all there were there yeah. were two canadian teams so there was uh at least 10 of us down yeah. there yeah
0: yeah yeah, it seems to be a common theme for sure. Um, so I'm curious if you've spent a lot of time at the Vice, um, you know, in, in the winter so far yet. Have you been tying up a lot of patterns?
1: Um, yeah, we've been tying. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to make the selection for the Canadian team that's scheduled to go to the World Championship in Spain uh, in uh, September. Okay, We're all crossing fingers that this will actually happen. Hmm. Um, and so we've been, uh, sort of researching some local patterns and, and started tying. Right. So that's what we'll be enjoying.
0: So are you doing, uh, so is this, uh, mostly on moving water? Or is it moving and still water? Just,
1: uh, it's going to be, uh, either four rivers and one lake fish from the bank or five rivers, not okay completely okay. confirmed yet uh so it's going to be mostly a a, a moving water competition and mm-hmm. difficult moving waters too
0: so does that mean you're tying on a lot of jig hooks these days or um you know without giving away too many secrets what what kind of patterns yeah. ballpark are you working on or can you can you
1: uh, nymphs and drives.
0: yeah <laughs> That's about as vague as you can get. Nips. <laughs> I'm going to quote you on yeah. that. nips and dries. Uh, yeah. I, have, I had an old boss that it's used to uh, tell me, he said, whenever you're dealing with the media, be professional and very vague. <laughs> 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 Kudos. You did it. Um, no, I, I can't. I mean, I, can, no, I can't because no. I have I to be it.
1: honest to the team. But I get it. Uh, but no, but you asked me about jig hooks, and I mean, I can certainly say about something that. We it, it's 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 kind of interesting to look at that because since I've sort of put the time and, and some of my teammates into learning from some of the different sort of European schools and speaking about jig hooks and straight eye hooks and like straight chain hooks um it's it's quite different from country to country I don't know who's right who's wrong the Czechs will fish jack hook jig hooks when they're nymphing mm-hmm. uh, but the Spanish will never fish a jig hook. They believe the the kink of the jig is closing the gap of the hook too much, yeah. and you won't be hooking as many fish. I could so see they that. they'll tie everything. They'll tie everything on a straight shank. Interesting. Um, uh, I mean, you look at both teams; they have both been extremely successful in what they do. So, uh,
0: is that something, Evo? You find a lot in this sport. It's like okay, is somebody's like never do this, don't do this, don't do this, and then someone else will get up and say, do this, do, <laughs> do this. And it's like, whatever works for you right? I mean, it's it, sometimes I, I, I get, I find that like, especially when you dig deep into some of these things and you just hit it on the head, something like as simple as fishing with a, a Euro style, like a jig hook, certain people b- believe it's going to work better. Other people don't. I mean, is, is it just a matter of fact of finding what works for you personally or what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's, both in some cases it's subjective because you, you, you know once uh, somebody successful starts doing then something like within the, in the fishing community then people start following and it becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's in some cases it's probably dictated by conditions as well. Uh, like in the, in the case of the Spanish and the Czech, they they don't only use different hooks; they live very differently because their conditions are different and. And they're good at different things. Uh, you know, the Czech, Czech, the Czech are really good for you know fishing fast for for stocked fish, for example. Spanish are really good fishing for wild, difficult fish. You know, at a bigger distance, more delicately. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that some of the Czech guys are not good at that, and vice versa. You know, absolutely. But overall, right? You know, and
0: that's I, cool. I'm
1: I'm nowhere close to the skill level of any of these guys, but kind of arrived to to my own conclusion that i'll be fishing jig hooks up to the size of 14 maybe and then anything smaller i'll tie on straight shank hooks
0: <laughs> ah see see i there's a good there's a good nugget i love it but those are the little things that i like i'll give you an example i was tying some chronomids maybe five years ago on a certain brand of hook that i'm not going to throw out on the show because i don't like slamming anything but i swear we could not hook up this the the gap on this particular hook was just not there, you know. When you you know when you look at a Hannah Cook and it's got that big gap, and you just know something yeah. anything hits that's going to stick. I struggle sometimes with some of the products out there because people, um, you know, maybe pushing a certain product, but if it doesn't work for you, it's like okay, uh, you know, trial and error. Um, next, you know, let's try something different. But um, I, I love what you said there. It's it's an honest, uh, and that's something. That's something that you never stop learning in this, this pastime, right? You know what I mean? You've got to do that. You got to figure that out on the water. You're not going to figure that out at the tying uh, vice.
1: No, no, I, it's no way. Um, and I mean, and honestly, uh, the, the tying, you know, as far as tying's concerned, I, there's different approaches there as well. I mean, some people just love tying and they do it, just because of that they want to tie different things and so on other others try and tie what what they need to catch fish and more of the second type um you know so yeah um you know my focus is going to be more on things like you know what's the right hook for a pattern uh, am i putting too much dubbing on this it's going to sink the right way you know how do i position the bead what is the right size of bead for this particular size of hook so it i get you know mm-hmm. proper hook up and that it sinks properly and you know things that not necessarily affect that much the aesthetics of a fly don't, ne- don't necessarily make it nicer for the ang- uh, for the angler but right um they do make it work better so i I kind of like to focus on those things, uh, but I have absolute respect for the guys that love tying salmon flies. You know, because mm-hmm. we all this, we all do this because it makes us happy. You know, right. I'm, sure. you know, I'm, I'm. Nobody pays me big money to go fishing, neither uh, to tie flies or to compete. I mean, most of us who compete spend a lot of money on competing.
0: You know, it's not
1: bass <laughs> pro. Uh, yeah. Um, so we all do what we 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 like doing. So if you like tying salmon flies, go for it.
0: I think it's funny. Like when I when I started tying flies forty years ago, I thought I was doing this to save money. <laughs> I, I look at my tying. <laughs> no, I look doesn't. at my tying room. And I'm like, no, that is not the reason. But I will tell you the one thing that I always think of, Evo, and and tell me your thoughts on this. You can do variations on a theme till the cows come home you you can you can recreate like it's not that it's a brand new pattern but you just put a little hot spot or you use um two different colored wires or the possibilities are endless so for me that's where i get excited yeah. rather than going in and getting something store-bought that everyone else has
1: no absolutely and uh, i mean i think once you start that's the, the one of the values for me personally in fly tying, tying my own thighs is that I can just try and tie what, what I believe I need for the conditions where I fish mm-hmm. and, you know, and play with these little things that you're mentioning and see if they make a difference. You know, if you kind of put a different ribbing on, on the same nymph, are the fish going to notice or right. does it really matter? You know, and, you know, do they care for a different bead color? Um, you know, what conditions does a different bead color make a difference in? Uh, you know, all of these things. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, you kind of play with them. And there will be some, there's some fundamental principles there that seem to be valid at all places, but then there are others that are going to be different depending on the type of water you fish in.
0: So, Yeah. Evo, is there any it's, product uh, in the fly tying space that's come along in the past few years that's kind of, you know, revolutionized your world or just gone, Oh man, I can't believe I tied without this, whether it's a thread or some type of synthetic material. Is there anything, you know, whether it's some of these new Fritz materials or, you know, is there anything that's coming along and kind of, you've gone, wow, this is, this is great. I don't know how I ever did without it.
1: Yeah. Um, you can certainly share something about myself and I'm, far from being any kind of a fly tying master to me, to be honest. Um, I mean, one of the things that um, I really. Sort of made a difference for me is this thread that we have. It's um, it's it's made by a British company called uh, uh, Fish On Productions. It's the company of a uh, one of England's most successful river fishermen, John Isaac, a good friend of ours. Um, so it's it's called the the ultimate tying silk and it, it's not the only company that makes this type of thread these days I think there's a bunch of other brands that have them but they're sort of these multi-strand but very thin and at the same time super strong threads and I like tying small dry flies
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I hate having big build up at the head of the fly or anywhere and these these threads are just laying so nicely on the hook and they have much lower profile than you know a a typical uh thread uh and that's why i like and they're very strong as well and and when you whip finish them you they kind of bury into themselves so you don't actually have to apply glue to those flies as well Hmm. um which for for a tiny little dry fly i think makes a difference um also uh in its holdability probably in some way yeah. um so that's the thing that's made a difference for me i mean some people like love these threads. some people hate them because they're they're they kind of they, they will make your scissors dull. you don't want to use your best scissors yeah. on them yeah they're hard to cut yeah I know. uh but, you know, you won't break them when you're tying, no matter how thin they are. And just for tiny little drives, I, I, I find them great.
0: Hmm. It, it amazes me in the uh, competitive world how, because you, you throw the odd name out there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that name keeps coming up. Or, yeah, I've had that person on the show. You know David Downey, by chance?
1: Yeah, I know who
0: he is. Yeah, I had him on the show, and he was talking about kind of what, you, what you're just talking about. You find a certain product. Like, I, I know he specializes in Maribu, and apparently his Maribu yeah. is like, it is. It is amazing. Yeah, It Maribu. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, he sp- he spoke highly of the Canadian team. He seemed to have a lot of friends on it. But um, it's just uh, amazing to me how all you guys know each other. It's just uh, it's a small circle, I guess, isn't it?
1: i think it's a it's a growing circle uh but i guess probably still small within the broader community i mean dave downey's been out there for a long time and he he's pretty well known uh, not only in the competitive i mean i think in the flight time community as well because mm-hmm. of the quality of his products i mean his marabou i think he died he selects his feathers and buys them his own and on you know and they're, they're really good. I've seen some of them. I, I've died with some of his stuff. It, it's really good stuff. Um, but the community is growing. Actually, I mean, if if the the world championship happens this year in Spain, there we expect that there will be thirty different countries there, wow. which will be probably the biggest ever. So that's thirty-five person teams. Um,
0: I hope it happens for you guys. I really do. It's uh, I. I mean, it's it's one of the casualties. I mean, let's put, put it this way. I mean, air travel is one thing, but getting out on the water and and kind of um, you know, there's a lot of space out there. So I, I I can't see it not happening at some point. At some point, we have got to get some 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 normality back. You would think, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we're hoping that
1: we will. Well, we're hoping before be this new variant that, that competitions in Canada will be able to resume. This. This next season maybe maybe they still will i mean it's very mm-hmm. hard to say anything right now but yep. you know if if uh you know i as as long as um the rule the formal rules allow it i think fly fishing canada is looking at at resuming sanctioned competitions next season um i mean people have been anxious to get out there and continue doing this
0: mm-hmm. when you're sitting at your time vice and you're going okay fingers crossed we're going to spain to comp- compete in the world fly fishing championships represent your country does that add pressure to you at the vice i'm just curious like i I mean knowing that i'm going to throw a fly on a saturday fish don't care nobody else cares but when you when you've got another team counting on you does that add another layer of kind of like this better be good uh you mean when tying uh
1: yeah, yeah don't, you you do want to, uh well tying becomes a team effort when you're working with a team anyway um because we we just have to tie so many not because there's that many patterns actually there aren't that many but numbers wise to be prepared you, you gotta tie something like you know like 30 40 flies for the team of that particular pattern and that particular size and then wow. you know the same number in the next size Right. um hmm. so it um it it does become a team effort and sometimes we'll just divide it between ourselves and somebody will take one pattern and the other and but yeah you want to tie it well because you know like it's not just you it's your your teammates will be fishing with it and hmm. you know like the guys on this team we've been together for some time so we we sort of trust each other yeah. you know we know that everyone will will do his his park property, so you know, I wouldn't hesitate.
0: Who, who shoot, else is my teammates? Gaming. Who's on your team?
1: Um, so we have uh, Colin Huff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Ian Troop, Kiefer Pitfield Yep. Uh, Ken McCauley. Okay. Uh, then we have um, our fly tie and reserve ang- reserve angler is uh, Chris uh, Kresiac. I hope I'm pronouncing him uh, properly um he's uh working at drift outfitters here in toronto and every you know yep. upcoming uh, young fly tying competitor that we're very happy to have with us um and um byron Shepard is going to be our uh, non-fishing team captain excellent so we have a great crew
0: good
1: we'll have fun
0: yeah 100 percent. well i hope it happens for you um so um you know, we covered some of the ground. You got these these courses coming up. You've got John Horsey. You've got, um, you know, whether it's still water, whether it's streamer fishing, nymph fishing. You're going to be doing one of these courses yourself. I think I want to sign up for that because I would love to hear um, what you have to say when Because I know you're you're starting to dig pretty deep on some of these things. You mentioned that, and um, how interactive are these? Is it like a Zoom call? These conferences.
1: Yeah there are zoom calls so and we try and make them as interactive as possible um, so you know typically the the sort of presenters will, will will have some sort of a presentation but you know depending on the style of the presenter we would either kind of finish the presentation and then open it for question and answers or we would just you know pose every 10 minutes or so as we present and we go to different segments and take time to answer questions so mm-hmm. um, very interactive that was the idea from the very beginning is that you know just you know it's not the same thing like uh, you know watching a recording it's really the idea is really that you know, if something comes up to your mind as you're listening to the presentation or if you had some questions that things that you've been thinking for a while and you wanted to ask some of these guys. Mm-hmm. That's the uh that's that's how we run it.
0: Evo, is this all encompassing is smart angling and and tying and in your competitive fly fishing is that all encompassing for you or you have a day job on top of this i'm just curious i don't think oh i, have... I
1: do i do i do and that's what actually keeps me much busier than uh um, than smart i think angling. smart angling is more of a passion
0: <laughs> what's your what's your day job
1: so i work in a very different field i uh, i work in the international development field so i i work for an ngo and i cover uh asia and, uh, and europe uh sort of all of our programming uh so wow. we kind of focus on uh on good governance and democratic institutions, a very different field. Hmm. Uh, But that's uh, been, that's my education and my day job for the last uh, 18 or so years.
0: Is there anything you take from your day to day that you bring to the world of fly fishing? Like, is there any crossover for you?
1: um i think it's just my love to uh to experience different places and you know connect and work with people from from different cultures mm-hmm. uh you know if i that if I ever have, have more time and, and and resources in my life i'd probably like to uh, travel a lot more and not just for work but for fishing because um, it's it's not only the, uh, you know, the f- different fishing conditions that you experience, you, you meet all sorts of, of people mm. and you learn from them. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like the World Championships so much or our own Canadian Championships here. It's you don't you just don't get in the world of fly fishing uh, events where you get together with so many, uh, you know, anglers from around the world and they happen to be sort of the, you know, the best from their countries So it's quite an experience
0: how How big of a part of of the international fly fishing experience to you is like you know the culture that you're getting immersed in the the cuisine you're eating that you know what I mean like everything's different I'm, I would imagine you soak it up like a sponge
1: yeah, I care about all that i mean the 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 truth is the um once we are the world championship it it can be pretty intense and you you sort of tend to use every possible minute for know preparation and the competition itself but it you're still in a different setting right you know so you're going to see different things you're going to meet different people uh to me personally i really care about uh, the food Mm. you know i like uh, you know different uh different cuisines i try and cook a lot at home and experiment with different things as well Mm. um but you know i mean i've been to places with amazing fishing and terrible food and the other way around and right when the when the two um when the two uh are there it's absolutely amazing
0: yeah yeah it sounds like you just <laughs> described a dream trip right there well evil thanks so much for doing this I, I really appreciate you uh taking the time tonight and and sharing your knowledge which is obviously so vast and uh i'm always appreciative and uh, thanks thanks for doing this
1: you're also welcome. I, mean, I hope it um, it's really uh, interesting and, and new for uh, for your audiences. Uh, I, I I know I have a ton to learn myself, so I don't. Like I the, the main reason we'd be running one of the main reason we're running smart angling is really to try and bring this this knowledge from from other countries and you know, other people, people that are really successful in our in our sport to. Uh, Mm-hmm. to canada to you know those in the states who want to be part of that as well
0: yeah i think it's and that's that's why i keep coming back to the competitive space and to to people like yourself because there's so much for us uh you know amateur anglers to, to pick up you ever have anything going on any more um conferences like this like your uh, world class fly fishing school john horsey and and, and and some of the experts you're bringing on you just let me know and we'll jump on a call at the uh, drop of a hat okay
1: Absolutely.
0: You've been listening tonight to a chat with Ivo Balinov from Smart Angling. Check them out online at smartangling.com. Competitive fly fisher. They have some really unique um, fly tying and fly fishing gear as well. Check them out online. Thanks for joining us this time around.
3: The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.